today's show, I speak to Sophia Delavari, an Irish PT working and living in Dubai. She shares her tips on dealing with clients and their mindset, what it's like living and working as a PT in Dubai, and some of her top tips for dealing with the busy Christmas period. So let's go. Well, Sophia, you're very welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm just going to jump right in and give the listeners a little bit of an insight into your background. Obviously, uh, in the intro, I mentioned that you're a PT and you're based here in Ireland, but you've recently transitioned and moved to Dubai. So you might give the listeners a little bit of an insight into how that came about for you. Well, um, I suppose I was in Ireland for four and a half years doing personal training and I just kind of got to a stage where I was just absolutely sick of training when it was dark in the morning, training when it was dark in the evening. Um, and I just kind of, I had so much passion behind my job and like, I really, really enjoyed personal training, but something was just not sitting right with me. Like, you know, I just was kind of just missing something. The spark was missing in my job. And I just, I never had that in my career with personal training or like, you know, doing fitness classes or whatever it was. I never really had that kind of like, I don't know, my juices weren't flowing anymore. And I got to that stage where I just was like, hang on a second, this isn't right. I just don't know whether I'm in the right job or not. Like, and that was after, yeah, around four and a half years, I was like, "Hmm, maybe I need to change something. So I was actually looking to go to Australia and then I just kind of thought after after a while I was thinking about it, I thought Australia is just a little bit too far. And anyway, I was kind of chatting away to one of the girls in the gym that I actually PT'd and her daughter worked for Emirates. Um, and she was like, why don't you try for Emirates and you can do personal training on the side? So I thought, do you know what? I thought maybe I might give it a chance. But she was like, you know, loads of people do that but I'm terrified of flying so I'm terrified to take off and landing and so I was kind of a bit like but I'm very very stubborn as in like I'd always like I can always do something when I put my mind to it and I kind of thought maybe after a while of flying I just get used to it so anyway I got I went for the interviews then and I got around to the final round interviews with Emirates and then when I got to the final round they give you like two pictures and you have to like pitch a new like uh, like basically a new product of the two images and I got like balloons and confetti so I pitched some random like it was so like futuristic this product and I was like bouncing around the place being real energetic explaining this product and like I remember then after that they were like no you didn't get it like you know it wasn't easy (laughs) So I was a bit too much of a personality when I went into the Emirates interview that um, I was like, how did I not get that? My mom at the time was like, that's a sign. Like, you're not supposed to fly. You're really not supposed yeah. to fly. Like, you're terrified to take off and landing. So just she was like, just give it, give it over. Like, boy, I said, no, I want to go back. I want to go back. And you're not allowed to apply for Emirates until like six months okay. later. So uh 
so anyway, two weeks later, there was another um, another interview. So I went to the interview, said nothing, was quiet, was very ladylike, you know, it was like I wasn't myself and got to final round interviews and I got it. And then two weeks later, I was out in Dubai. Um, so then obviously my Dubai journey when I got here, I'd been here for two nights before on like a layover going to Vietnam, actually, um, for New Year's. And I fell in love with the place. I just, I, I knew, like, I mentioned to one of my friends, I was like, I'd love to go and live there. And then that was like six months later Then I was in Dubai. But I was training for Emirates and I just was kind of a bit like, what am I doing here? Like, what am I actually doing here? Like, this isn't me. It was only like six weeks out from personal training. I just missed it completely. And I was in the midst of training as well with flying and, um, I just thought oh, I'm after messing up here. I don't know. Like I need to, I need to be in a gym. And so anyway, I remember like coming home on the bus at the Emirates bus after training ball of my eyes out in the back of the bus being like, Oh Jesus, like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm in the wrong job. Anyway. Um, what happened was like, I tried to fly and I tried to PT on the side. So I was doing like personal training sessions on layovers. I was like, you know, networking with all the Emirates crew and I was PT and crew in their buildings and that. Um, and then like one day I was coming off a flight and I couldn't feel my legs. Like I literally could not feel my legs. Um, so I was like, this yeah. isn't right. Um, so then I went to like the Emirates clinic straight afterwards and they were like, oh, listen, you've blood clots in your uh-huh. legs. Like they were like, you're at risk of having a DVT to your heart or brain. If you go on another flight, they might move and blah, 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 blah. We need to get you into hospital. So like that was just at the beginning of my Dubai journey. So, you know, no family here, no proper friends. I had to go into hospital. Um, I had an operation, my legs, and then I was four weeks out. Like I couldn't walk um, couldn't train my legs. I was grounded. So I knew, do you know what? I knew my heart and soul. I really wanted to be a personal trainer out in Dubai. Um, and it was just the cold weather that was holding me back in Ireland the whole time. It wasn't the job that was wrong with it. With, with it. I just had itchy feet. I needed to go somewhere else and just be in a new environment. So uh, when I was on ground, I had bandages wrapped around my legs and I like I, I went I put on my leggings and literally went to like gym to gym looking for a job. Um, and then I went to this gym. It was like a boutique celebrity gym. Very nice. And um, I met a guy that was there that ended up knowing one of my friends back home. Um, he was an MMA fighter. So anyway, he put in a good word for me. So when I went in, um. I was like, you know, I'm looking for a job. I was like blagging it, pretend I was with Emirates at the time. Um, so anyway, he says, look, can you come back in tomorrow and we'll train legs together and see how we get on and I'll hi- and like we'll see if you're a good like trainer for here. Like, so I was like the ultimate test to train legs. So I was like, I'm bandaged. Went home, took the bandages off the next day, showed up, did a leg session, got the job, and was fucked afterwards. Like, I swear <laughs> to God, got the job. I told them, I told them, like, listen, you know, I, I'm working for Emirates, I'm leaving them, blah, blah, blah. They were actually fine about it. And then I worked with them for like seven months. Um, and then I was working when I was working with them as well. It was like a, a celebrity kind of gym. So the owner of the gym was actually a football agent for a Chelsea football team. Um, 
So, uh, yeah. We worked with a rehab center there as well. And like, you know, all the tennis players like Djokovic and everything like was there getting their stem cell surgery and stuff. So I was mad, mm-hmm. like got to meet loads of really, really cool people. Um, But things I haven't mentioned the gym yet, so I'm not going to mention the name. Um, <laughs> things might have gone a little bit sour towards the end. Um, So I and it's like most gym jobs over here as well that always end badly. Like it's always like, oh, you know, they don't pay you on time or there's something wrong. And it's like it's it is a bit different to Ireland when you're like when you're a Westerner over here as well. Yeah, because that's what I was going to ask you, like between, you know, here working in gyms here and there, what are the, the main differences? Well, other than the weather and probably some of the equipment with some of the some of the gyms but so they be they like most places they're supposed to obviously like supply your visa and stuff like that when you come over and uh, okay. you know a lot of the time when you go when you get a job with a company here in Dubai as well they'll promise you a visa but they they'll promise you for long enough to see how good you are as well and they'll keep rolling you on a tourist visa um and then they'll commit to you. So yeah. it was kind of like, oh, when's my visa ready? When's my visa ready? And then toward, I, I got a visa anyway in the end and it was grand. But then towards the end, it was like, you know, payment issues and stuff like that. And obviously in Ireland, that just doesn't happen. But over here, because yeah. like, I suppose I'm not I'm not a local. So it's like, you're like, it was it was different for us. Like, so, yeah, they're taking advantage of the situation. Um, to put it kind of nicely I suppose I was like towards the end I was like if this gym was in Dublin I swear there wouldn't be a barbell left in this gym you know so um <laughs> yeah so the Dublin came out of me anyway and um I ended up just leaving the gym then I took all my clients with me and um what happens is over in Dubai weirdly enough I don't know whether you know about this but um you can actually freelance out of a gym so you don't even have to pay rent you don't have to pay rent nothing you just have to have your own membership they have to have their own membership and then they just pay pay you as a freelancer so i moved all my clients to this like brand new gym that's on the beach it's a train beach club um do you know what the concept of the gym is unbelievable like it has like a a gym then the beach club it has a restaurant like it literally has everything it's just designed for like you can just spend the whole day there like get your session in and you can work from your laptop as well from the restaurant the little cafe so I took the gamble and brought all my clients there and it worked but then sure two months later then the pandemic hit so two months later I'm like oh what do I do now like you know I was I was in like a a tiny studio at the time that I was renting as well. And we went into full lockdown. Um, so you weren't allowed to do the 5K. You had to get a, a, a permit to leave, to go to the supermarket every three days. So like, yeah, I was complete in the kitchen and I was doing nine steps around the room out, like to try to get my 10,000 steps in, you know. Um, uh, the, if I could just bring it back to, to the gym the the last one that you were in and we talked about obviously when you moved all your clients over right if you were to obviously if that was to happen back home here so to reference between here and here and there um and i suppose that there would be well i i'm assuming there's a lot of cultural differences was there much in, in terms of how you'd had to adapt your training from say how you would train here or 
you know, even with food and stuff like that as well, or as predominantly your clients being Westerners as well over in Dubai? Yeah, do you know what? It's funny because I've swayed when I first came here. It's mad. Like in Ireland, I would have always had female clients when I came and I had like maybe 20% male clients in Ireland. When I came to Dubai, 80% of my clients were men, like were, were men and then 20% because there's a higher population of men here anyway. Um, right. 20% were females and before I used to be like oh you know I love love training lads they don't whinge and moan well over here <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like you know as in it, it was just a different story altogether there's definitely um, like it's I don't know it's you, you have to be a bit softer here I find um, in Ireland I, okay. I do find um, a lot of my clients in Ireland were way more like strict assertive you know um, over here you kind of have to be a bit soft with them and um, kind of ease them in a bit like a bit more um, if you went absolute balls to the wall with them like you'd scare them off um, you wouldn't have any clients yeah no you really you really wouldn't but um, the culture difference now they do love to eat as big families and that so like you have to really have the flexible diet and approach and like show them, you really have to educate them. Um, now in terms of like, obviously the difference as well over here, you'll see, um, I would say with diet and culture over here, they're, they're actually a, a bit behind, um, with like, you know, say like slim and teas, you know, these meal replacements, keto diet is huge over here. Like people are crazy about keto because there's so many keto restaurants um right. you know just like fat free this fat free that like people really buy into stuff like this and there's not enough education out here on nutrition and training like it's it, the the level is just it's not the same it's really not the same so it it made me really hungry to be like actually you know I really want to educate over here and now like I'm kind of yeah. developing myself and doing talks now because it's just like it someone needs to do it like I nearly just feel like it's a huge opportunity opportunity over here for that space and um just so much so many people believe in these myths over here and I don't know whether it's like the miscommunication between the language barriers and like all the different cultures here as well like you know because there's so it's so multicultural over here and there's so many different nationalities that it's hard then you know as in if you were in Ireland or the UK there's not as many you know it's it's not like it's not like say uh, how do you explain it so it's, this country is like nearly like a train station people are coming and going it's a hub you know so Ireland's a hub yeah. so you, the misinformation that you get is kind of like old information that you would have had from years ago it's not the, from all the different cultures put together you know so it's this combination yeah. that makes it very difficult for the average person over here to understand what nutrition and training is you know yeah that's it's actually that's very surprising to to hear that as well because obviously dubai is, is kind of that shining beacon of what i would deem as progressiveness within sport in particular um if i was to look at it obviously from say a, a football perspective or even what you see in social media, the, the standard and quality of some of the gyms that are there are, are probably up there with some of the best in the world as well. So they're unbelievable. Interesting yeah, they're hear. they're unbelievable. Like, and that's that's the real shame, as in like the money is like digested in these gyms, but it's not into the knowledge and the education side of things of 
how to yeah. make that space better, you know? So I think they need to utilize it in other ways to make it a bit more effective. Um, now, don't get me wrong. They're like, they're, are very, they're very hungry to upskill the whole health system over here. And like, you know, they're, they're more than open to it. It's just, like I said, the combination of the different cultures and misinformation that's just transferred because it is the hub or it's like the train station of all different parts of the world. So, yeah. It's the combination of that that, um, yeah, I find it's like it makes it quite difficult then for um, even like, you know, any of my average clients, then it's just they they come to me and they're so confused, you know. Mm. Like if you were to look at the the other part of, of training with your clients, like you're saying, with them some of being confused and the misinformation, like I know you do a lot of work with people's mindsets and, you know, trying to work with their inner dialect as well. So you maybe talk a little bit about that and explain that side of things for you and is that something that you've started doing now in Dubai or is it something you've always practiced back home here as well do you know what I actually kind of think I subconsciously like always kind of had this approach to fitness anyway in general without me even realizing because from my body transformation I've had myself I don't know whether you've seen my body transformation yeah yeah so like I, I definitely identified with my old, like transformate or like from before my transformation, I identified myself as the fat word, you know, as in like, I was always calling myself fat 24 seven. I was always like saying, you know, I was overweight and it was only until I really changed my identity of what I wanted to be and like just position myself as if I was already there. Um, that was when the real transformation really kind of resonated with me because like training and nutrition is kind of easy. You can follow a plan. Um, now obviously for long-term it gets tough. Um, but the only reason why it gets really tough is because you kind of stop to believe you, you stop believing in yourself and then you kind of you, you go you re- revert back to your old self and I was like I need to I always felt like I needed to change my identity in order for my my body to follow um, and then like so when I came so aware of that studied psycho I, I did a lot of studying now in psychology during the lockdown as well um, and previous to that but definitely since lockdown I, I gained so much more time to kind of study and self-development all that jazz you know reading books and um, now I kind of give a, like I start with the mindset and then the rest then just because is like second nature then with most of my clients now because it's like if you if they don't change their mindset, then you know they're setting themselves up for like a short term kind of result. I think potentially. Yeah, I'd hundred percent agree because I've had this conversation with psychologists as well. It's nearly the case where I'd nearly want the person to go see a psychologist before they actually come to us yeah. to 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 deal because you know yourself working in the industry, like when particularly when you take on a client, there's Sometimes you take on a lot more baggage than say someone that's just losing weight. There's there's probably an underlying reason why they've gotten to that yeah. stage. And then they're probably at the stage where they hope that losing yeah. the weight and coming to you is going to fix yeah. a lot of these underlying problems as well. Yeah. So it's, I think it's important. It is very, very important to, to initially deal with the mindset and have an understanding, particularly from the client's perspective of why they've you know arrived at your yeah. door. I, I I always kind of begin with like unboxing, you know, like 
like why what's been the obstacle like why as like if they say oh you know it's because i'm overeating well why are you overeating what's making you overeat you know are you stressed like what what is it then where's that stress coming from then what's the root cause of it do you think you know a lot of people it's like oh they just never feel like they're enough and i often do say like you know that stems from their childhood you know it's that the inner child that they have in themselves how they spoke to themselves when they were a child or how did people speak to them and it's then that that that's kind of what generally happens with a lot of my clients that have emotional eating if it comes from the childhood trauma um but some people are just not even aware of that they don't actually even realize um but yeah. we're personal trainers as well we're not psychologists but sometimes it's just like shining the light on these these little areas and makes them think then um but what i I get all my clients to do is just create a, a, a new identity. Like they need to change their blueprint. Um, and then because yeah. it's like, you know, these thoughts that they're having about themselves, like they're fat or whatever it is, you know, they're not facts. Like I always say like, that's not a fact. Like, you know, we can change that. So if you just change your thoughts and wake up and change the way you think you'll feel differently first thing in the morning then, and how you feel then is going to be a response to like how you act throughout the day then. Um, and then what are those actions going to be then? How are you going to respond then? Like, in order to really get the results that you want to achieve. Um, so it's like this process that I kind of go through in the first week or two of just like getting them just to think a little bit differently um, and to actually just believe that like, you know, that they can change as well because it's like, oh, well, I hope, I hope this, I hope that. And it's like, stop speaking to yourself like this, you know, be assertive, like yeah. get clear with what you want. Like you need to get clear with what you want because your body will not follow. You're, you're giving your, you're not giving yourself direction. You know, you're being very, very unclear. And it's like, you know, it's like telling a child to go into shop and tell them, oh, go get me that white bar. What white bar? You know, you, you know what you want, you know, you, you, get clear with exactly what you want and then you work backwards from that like how does that person look what would they what would they smell what would they eat like you know what would they how would they visually look and then just really like get them to feel it like you know I know I'd sound a bit mental but it's just it's so true when people can identify and they know the details of everything then it's like okay then it's easy to follow then it's easy to follow the program because they have purpose behind it yeah, I think it, like you said, it is very, very important to identify what that trigger is for a lot of people. Like, and there's been occasions, even from myself and my perspective, like you said, we're not psychologists, but it ends up sometimes being a therapy session. You know, you're in your, your, you and you have your one to ones and your PT, and all sorts tend to come out. People don't realize, you know, you've built that relationship with that person, and they're willing to share certain things. But there has been occasions where I've had to refer one or two clients on for different yeah. reasons you know um and to really only see you as a therapy session to to an extent you know but yeah. not really addressing the problem and still think well i'm not losing weight but i'm still going to come to you because i'm not losing weight but it just ends up being this cycle and yeah what that kind of brings me on to as well what i wanted to tie in with that for you would be have you seen it kind of escalate a little bit more over the last two years because of covid and the pandemic has it gotten worse in certain cases 
I definitely do think it has it has a little I think people are way more open to speak about things now because I think it's getting a little bit less taboo to actually yeah. be just open and honest and to surrender that like you have a problem now and it's like um I just say to a lot of my clients that do come to me I can I can identify pretty quickly now like as then I feel like it's I'd, I'd I'd say you you must be the same now if you're even talking about this you must be the same I think most people that are personal trainers they've been in the business for a long time you've met with so many people you can see the pattern yeah you can see the pattern you know? yeah. um so I definitely do I have noticed um people are just a bit more open to talk about it but I definitely don't think it was the pandemic that pushed people um because mm. I think it, I just think it's pushing people to root in and look at themselves a bit more and reflect because they had time to sit with themselves and sitting with yourself can be uneasy. And yeah. now it's like shining the light on this big problem, the elephant in the room sort of thing that now people are willing to kind of fix it. And I think people are way more open minded now to be able to like get that extra help. Um, Cause I, I, any kind that comes to me I'll just say like listen you're putting a plaster over an open wound here like I'm like I'm a personal trainer like I can't I can't fix that but I can help you I can help you for sure in terms to like try switch your mindset but if if it's an issue that's gone too far in in, into like disordered eating like we'll never replace psychologists for that you know and it's it's really really important I think for um personal trainers to identify that you know we're not qualified to do that and you know you could be leading someone down the rabbit hole of a really like a future even further into their disordered eating then then needs so they need to kind of catch on so I think it's a privilege for a personal trainer to be able to just identify that and be like listen like you know I do think you you should and I think it'd be really helpful and you know you could support them in terms of being like okay I'll work with them if um if needs be if they think you're in the right position then you know we'll 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 do a plan and you know um we'll liaise with each other but I definitely think it's we need to stay in our lane sometimes when it comes to these kind of situations. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And again, that comes down to best practice. It doesn't always happen. But if I was to say, like, I've done a bit of teaching within the the PT and the gym instruction courses and a lot of the let's say kids now at this stage, considering my age, but the, 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 the younger generation coming into the business, uh, because the likes of Instagram and TikTok and whatever, um, and throw Dubai under the bus here with this one, that it's that kind of lifestyle that they think that being a personal trainer is that it's beach and it's bikini bodies and it's it's kind of a glamour lifestyle. And they're just willing to do everything and anything to get in clients to get the money in. And they're missing yeah. these, like you said, we, I've developed like a parkour over, uh, over a, a couple of years to identify some red flags for me yeah. that are going to jump out before I actually agree to to take on the client and to deal with them. Um, yeah. And I think that's, you know, that that's probably gotten a little bit worse in probably the last five, six years. And I think because of social media as well, trying to paint this picture yeah. um, of what the idyllic lifestyle is and Joe public buying into that and certain PTs going, well, I can provide that for you at all costs and not looking at obviously what you're, you're dealing with then as well with the, the mindset side of things. 
But you know what? I think these type of like personal trainers, they're for a certain type of audience that's not very long lasting. Do you know yeah. what I mean? As in it's very short term. Their careers, I hate to say it, but I don't think their careers are very long term because there's going to be a cheaper program with an ass and and boobs out like yeah. they're just gonna like you know it, that's gonna be cheaper anyway and they'll just go with that because it's not gonna be much depth to the course that they're doing or there's not gonna be that support that most people need when they're going through a massive transformation because it's not easy when you go through a body transformation you know getting used to your new identity that you have to your old identity and not being in self-sabotage mode like all these yeah. little things that tie in there's so much more strings to the bow that like they don't realize until they get into the fitness industry and then half of them fall out of the funnel then the end of the day like you know yeah and um, I don't know about you but like with your when you started studying like your personal training like I can hand on heart say there's probably two people out of my class that are still doing it yeah, oh, the same yeah yeah I'd say uh, probably the same probably two three out of I think there's about 16 in the group that I went through that's literally yeah. it yeah so it does just chew a lot of people up and spit them out and even for me at tutoring on the courses, I can already kind of see, you know, out of a group who's still going to be doing it in five, six years time and, and who's not, you know. That must be great. Like that must be really enjoyable to see that or just be kind of like, that was me. <laughs> yeah, know? like it is. It's great to be a part of it. But because the industry is it changes so much, it's very, like I'm telling them, like, you know, some of the information that you're learning might be relevant. Yeah. seven eight years down the line which is hard to yeah. hard to imagine for some of them but yeah. again a lot of them are like the youngest about like 16 and the oldest probably up to about 50 and there, there's a broad scope on, on a lot of them coming through the groups but everything is social media driven with with them in the last two years everything whereas yeah. when, when i did um social media wasn't that relevant back then it was yeah. all word of mouth and it was people seeing you in the gym and interacting with people and you were getting business solely on you know people seeing your physical work happen yeah, yeah. now it's um you know like you said it's it's tits and ass pictures and this is what makes you a good pt you now or a number yeah. above how many people are following you I know it's and you know what though Dubai as well like it's it's a tough crowd with that um you know I do have people that come to me and they're like oh you know how what's how much do you charge and blah 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 and I tell them and they're like oh well this girl has a blue tick and she's charging this much and blah 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 and I said yeah, go ahead you know go ahead go yeah. chase after the blue ticker that has the yeah the best abs in the world but probably you don't know whether she has the best knowledge in the world you know so it's like people are defining uh like you know their knowledge of a blue tick or of like how lean they look and naturally enough maybe they're they're giving out the worst information and it's just this is the this is the thing that sometimes i want to put like pins in my eyes because i'm just like, i'm there as well yeah I see it so often, but especially in the gym, if you look up the gym, I don't already have looked it up, the one that I'm in, like, you will see, like, it's influencers in the wild, you know, it's like, it's crazy, and it's, you A lot know, of people don't realize then as well, like, if you have, you know, say we'll take a million followers, for example, and you're an, an influencer, and on average, that person gets 100 inquiries a day, did you realistically think 
that you know if i was to purchase something from you that i'm actually in communication with you yeah a lot of these people don't have you know the, the physical time and again if it's an online thing if it's 24 7 you're not necessarily talking to the person that's on the other end of the account as well a lot of people don't realize that people will have people paid to look after their accounts and yeah you know they're only on maybe 10 or 15 euro an hour kind of situation and that's the person that you're actually in communication with it's not that celebrity influencer i know i know it's 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 a real it, it can't it can be a bit of a shame but like it's like then we just need to kind of take the focus out of like even thinking about this sometimes and just seeing what we can do in order to help like but it's just yeah, it's like I I can't I have I have to turn a blind eye to it because I see it every single day because there's no regulations in the gym here like as in there's no yeah. no you, like no one's checking if you're certified like no one you know yeah. everyone's standard is different um there's no judgment really to be honest like you know of course I look at a personal trainer and maybe they're like they're breaking someone in half and like another PT would maybe look at me and look back and I'm just like I'm saying nothing like you know it's just yeah. that's the way it is you just have to let it go like you can't because you can't fix and ev- everyone's on their own journey as well like we've all been there done that didn't know how to deadlift whatever around their yeah. back you know like it's but yeah, it's it, it, it's a tricky place over here when it comes to uh, personal training because it's just, yeah. it's who you know. It's who you know and your network that can really, really help you build your business over here. Yeah. Which, which is a bit unfortunate. Yeah, I think that's, that's that kind of summarizes the whole PT industry, I think, really in, in, a, in a nutshell, really, when it comes to, to trying to grow your business and not always the you know, the, the, the most ethical approach is the one that gets you the furthest, unfortunately, within our industry in particular, which is always, like you said, like, like sticking pins in your eyes and yeah. pulling out your hair. Like, I wouldn't do things this way, I would do things this way, but it doesn't necessarily get you ahead, unfortunately, particularly in the fitness industry. But if I was just to bring it back to yourself for coming into the Christmas period and people's mindsets around it, it is a very, very difficult time to not reach for the selection boxes and um the few drinks and well, well it's a little bit easier here because you know nightclubs and that are, are closed now maybe a little bit yeah. different over there for you but if you could give listeners a little bit of advice on how to to deal with you know the the busy christmas period and having those few extra calories or drinks or whatever might be coming quick to hand um i would just say that it's not the end of the world anyway if you put on a bit of weight over christmas because technically you don't do christmas right if you don't put on weight like i would just say that like you know it's i would branch it off as a couple of days of the year like it's a couple of days of the year not the whole don't branch it off and write off your whole christmas as you know oh well it's silly season because that is silly like i think you know if you have a flexible diet, like you shouldn't feel like you need to just go completely bananas for a full month, I think, you know? Yeah. So it's the whole, like someone who is dieting already, but still having a flexible approach, I would say like do the whole 80% natural foods, 20% of what you like. I would, I would tend to get a lot of my clients still track their food roughly around Christmas time as well run up to christmas yeah uh, and even if they want to eat a, bit, a little bit over that's fine but it's just like it's identifying you know um what they're potentially eating how they're going over as well um 
because you find a lot of, a lot of people are probably looking towards like you said like it's everything goes out the window with coming like it's new year and everybody has this kind of thing of yeah it's new year's we start new year's and yeah. i forget about the last two weeks and just go mad take the foot off the pedal I would, I, I just say lighten the load for January, you know, January is a bit of a miserable month. So do say yeah. lighten the load. Um, and I would say like a lot of the time, a lot of my friends are traveling. I have clients that are traveling as well. Like, you know, the whole approach of maybe intermittent fasting as well. A lot of them, not that I find that superior at all. It's skipping breakfast to me really now, but I'd normally yeah. kind of get, I just say like, listen, if you can shorten your window of eating, um, and you, you're having big meals or big feasts with the family or whatever, you can potentially do that. Um, now, just what I would say is like have like a high protein kind of breakfast, just make sure we're hitting our protein goals. And then throughout then during the afternoon, then have whatever you want sort of thing. Um, but have that approach that it's not just snacking 24 seven as well. Like, you know, maybe have two big meals instead of like, you know, the whole the whole shebang in between. Yeah. Um but yeah, just obviously might be mindful with the snacks and that. And I would say spring to Christmas now, you know, like use this time. There's a lot that you can do between now and Christmas. There's so much that you can do. Like, you know, every day, like it, it it's like it's the compound and effect over the next couple of days that you could have that just gives you that flexibility come Christmas day and Christmas Eve. And, and then you really enjoy yeah. it though. You really do enjoy it when you overindulge. It's just not, it's not like, um, it, I, I don't know. I think Christmas dinner is just so much more enjoyable if you haven't been indulging like for the two weeks beforehand. You enjoy it more, you know. So yeah, I, I, I like, definitely know there's some people already in, in my circle have, have already like, started to the back of your head. <laughs> <laughs> start to take the foot off the pedal um, in, in the lead up to it. Okay, and I think yeah. that's that's just a, it's it's kind of I don't know maybe it's predominantly Irish thing. I don't know. Um, or I'm just like, look, just stick to eat like a vegetarian that loves meat and most of your meals, and then like you know, leave leave the carbs for the drink if you want. You know, have your it. have your prosecco, have your your spirits and your zero calorie drinks, and you know, just find the balance there. Like I would always, that's why I said like you know, I get them to kind of count their calories a bit, you know, track their food a bit, and just make things fit. You know, if needs be, make make things fit, and then for Christmas, look, just enjoy yourself. It's a couple of days, like say she like what two two three days, allow it, like you know. But then yeah. get back on track, get back on track. You know, just look at that time as your downtime off, and then get back on track afterwards. But yeah, this business of doing a month, a lot can be a lot of damage can be happen in a month. You know, if you imagine yourself dieting for a month, imagine yourself completely going bananas. You know, so what yeah. do you expect in a month of dieting? Then what do you expect in a month of going crazy? So you need to really keep your um your goal and your vision and focus, and just be like, look, you know, is it really worth it? Is it really going to be worth it in January? You know, brilliant. Some sound advice there. I think that's a really good place to, to end this video. Thanks a million for everything and all the advice you've given today. Thanks a million for having me on board. I hope you really enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to contact Sophia, I've listed her details in the description below. And I'll be back again next week with another special guest.